the Rural Health Voice, Episode 66, Faith in Vaccines. Welcome to the Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. What's the role of churches in rural communities when it comes to caring for health? Pastor Alan Jesse of Highlands Fellowship Church joined me to discuss faith and health. So welcome, Pastor Alan. Hey, welcome. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Beth. Uh, we appreciate you having here. You know, typically my guests are people who work in healthcare or health advocacy or health research, but you don't fit our typical mold. So I'm going to ask, how did you wind up in ministry? Well, it's um, uh, it's sort of a long story, honestly, but just real short. I went to local college here in our region called Emory & Henry as a chemistry major and finished that, uh, but was working sort of in ministry on the side as a youth pastor and really felt like um, that was the direction I needed to go. So uh, I taught chemistry right out of school for a bit and then ended up uh, moving into the church field and have been in it for 36 years. So that's been a great field for me. Excellent. And with that history, what do you feel is the role of the church in addressing the health of its members and the community as a whole? I think the church has a, a key role to play um, because not only do we want to see people in our community spiritually healthy, but we also know they need to be physically healthy, mentally, emotionally. And it's, um, you know, the church has a unique opportunity to bring the whole person together. And that's our, we see that as our role in the community to, to sort of speak to the whole uh, individual. Do you feel that role is larger for churches in rural areas than urban suburban facilities? Well, I've only been in a rural area my whole entire life. I have friends and colleagues in more urban areas. And, I, you know, they may say that it would be similar, but I definitely think in the rural area, we still have a, a larger footprint of trust rather than suspicion. And, um, and I'm very thankful for that. Often uh, people in a rural area are more connected to their local faith community and uh, it's part of their larger family. And so it's, it's a lot of times where they see their, their health care provider and their uh, employer and so many things in a rural type setting. It's just a more of a family type atmosphere. Sure. One of the things that we've been talking about with our Pride Initiative is, you know, sometimes your primary care provider is also your neighbor or your aunt or your Sunday school teacher. That's so true. So what specific activities does Highlands Fellowship conduct in relation to health? Well, we have a lot of healthcare uh, people who would be members or part of our church. So we've always tried to reach out and be a friend and a advocate on, beh on behalf of our healthcare workers and community. And, you know, it's from administrative to anybody that is delivering patient care. And just like in the church, we want to do excellent in our work to try to divide, uh, provide spiritual care. Uh, we know our healthcare workers want to give the best care they can to every patient that they see. And so we feel like as a church, we want to come alongside them, and support them in every way possible. So obviously, 
Uh, you know, we keep them in our thoughts and prayers uh, on a daily basis, especially with the season we've been in. And then other things that we do, uh, we provide opportunities for our locations to be training centers and facilities for, uh, for the healthcare uh, workers. Sometimes in a rural setting, they might have a corporate office to go to, and we open up our venues for them to use. Uh, we, we write personal notes to our healthcare workers, and we also do things like send meals or uh, go up and do some special things to try to value and help them to know that we're, we're in this alongside them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see a lot of churches doing things like, you know, participating in food banks and having blood pressure clinics or nutrition programs. But I was thinking, you know, in addition to activities that are directly related to health, I think it is important to note the support systems provided by a church can be invaluable for mental health. In my case, my mother's church has been invaluable in making sure that she has been able to stay in her home after my dad was gone. Being able to live independently is important to her, and I'm sure her mental health would have suffered greatly if she would have had to leave the farm. Absolutely. Yeah, we do all those things as well. We feel like that's just sort of our responsibility. And then we look at it more as a privilege to sort of care for our individual health care community. But we do the, uh, you know, the food pantries and we have blood drives. We bring in the the blood drive uh, services. For a number of years, we offered a free clinic at our location in the Abington area and Bristol area because we had so many uninsured um, people in our community. And so we, you know, we partnered with the local, um, like it's a big mobile home sort of what it looks like. And it drives up on the, and then we staff that from our, our folks, my wife's a nurse practitioner. So she, she often provided care with a couple of our, um, family physician care docs. And then we had nurses that volunteered and it was a great ministry, but we also, um, realized that we can come together better for service if we as a faith community partner. And so there was another location that fit the ease of people to get there. So we, we still help with volunteers. We just don't serve as the base. Southwest Virginia has seen considerable damage from substance use disorders. Meth and opioids are ruining lives, tearing apart families. Do you see a role for the church in those situations as well? Absolutely. You know, for uh, a number of years, we not only advocate on behalf of these families that are uh, seeing people that they love and care for, whether it's a son or daughter or brother or sister, almost every family in Southwest Virginia was affected by the opioid crisis and still is to some degree, although we're making progress. So we work with our local legislators to do anything we can to help with legislation. And then the other thing as a church that we can do is offer ministries. So we have a ministry called Celebrate Recovery. Uh, we, uh, we, have, we give a, a, you know, a meal, a free meal, and it's a place where uh, literally hundreds of people come every week and sort of deal with their hurts, habits, and hangups. It's not only for people with addiction recovery, but it's uh, for anybody who has those things. And then uh, we also provide space for the AA and NA uh, groups to meet, and we feel like that's something that we can do. And uh, Often they, they, uh, we staff our Celebrate Recovery, but uh, they often bring the staff in for the AA, NA-type meetings, and we can offer space and provide counsel. Mm. 
that's wonderful. We very much appreciate all the work that you do in that area. You know, sometimes what I see is that in society in general and churches in particular, people are more likely to be supportive if someone has a physical disease such as cancer as opposed to a behavioral disease such as addiction. Do you see that happen as well? I think that, I mean, I understand what you're saying for sure. Um, it seems to be almost like a, an ease of support for cancer patients or somebody who's going through a health crisis. Uh, but I, I really think what changed in Southwest Virginia with addiction recovery is it affected every community to where in the days before we really struggled with it, maybe it, it was sort of a, uh, something we would shy away from. But uh, when it became in reality that every family in our community had uh, someone that they was either in their direct family or in their extended family that's dealing with an opioid addiction, then it, uh, it sort of the, you know, the toxicity fell away from that. We realized we have to get to work and we have to do all we can to eliminate this because we were seeing it being passed on from generation to generation. And, and so we started devising these opportunities to where, uh, you know, we could uh, try. We do a lot of teaching on this from the weekend services as well, because it came front and center for us because uh, it became a fight for our community and sustainability for our families. And we've we've been dealing with addiction issues for several years now, but you know, recently we've got the COVID situation, and we know that our rural communities throughout the nation, the COVID rates are increasing, but the percentage of people who are not vaccinated is still quite low. Yeah, in Virginia, about 68% of all adults are vaccinated statewide, but that number drops off sharply in our rural communities. Where you are in Washington County, it's about 53%. Further down in, in Lee County, it's just under 38%. What do you feel the difference is in those numbers? I have searched uh, a lot on this. So uh, we early on took the stand that we were going to do everything as a church to help our community get vaccinated. We had prayed for um, a way to overcome this pandemic. Uh, in the beginning days, when we heard about the pandemic, we thought it was something in China. Then we saw it in New York and L.A., some of our larger cities. Uh, still, our rural community here in southwest Virginia, I think they felt like it was something that would never affect us. And then all of a sudden, after Thanksgiving of 2020, uh, it became a real entity for us. And so people became skeptical of the vaccination beforehand. Um, and, and I think there was a lot of reasons for that. I think some of the social media, all these different stories on social media, there were people who believed these kinds of stories and uh, these side stories. And, uh, you know, they developed in their mind that, that maybe the vaccine isn't safe. There, there was some concern about, uh, you know, the people who really um, looked at it from a, a viewpoint of should I get this or should I not? Uh, we wanted to try to answer every question that we knew. Of course, we're not in the medical community, but we trust our medical community because we have a lot of them that are members and a part of our church. And so uh, I, I, I realized it was, it was truly real uh, when I was called from Thanksgiving to January. I've been at the church for 10 years where I'm at right now. 
And we were doing funerals almost every other day. We're a larger church. And so I had myself doing funerals. I had my staff. And these were mostly COVID-related deaths. These were people who were unvaccinated because the vaccine wasn't available. So we began to think, golly, you know, what can we do? And so we did all the government mandates. You know, we social distanced. We, you know, we mandated. We all required all of our volunteers, all of our workers uh, to wear masks. We shut down. Uh, uh, during those times when COVID was just, uh, you know, that soaring rates within our community because we didn't feel like we could offer a safe in-person gathering and we did a digital gathering for our people. Um, but I, I felt like that when the vaccine came, we opened up our facilities so that people in our community could go and, and hundreds and hundreds of people came to our facilities. It was easy. They were recognizable. Uh, we had lots of parking and our health department came and set up uh, the vaccination centers in our facility in Bristol. So we were very, uh, from the outset, we were trying to help people get the vaccine um, as often and as easy as possible. And in those early days, thankfully, we did vaccinate hundreds and hundreds of people. Then we began to get questions like uh, fertility issues. It's not FDA approved and uh, some skepticism. And so we saw our numbers of vaccinations go down. We continued to be an advocate. We, uh, as our church, we decided we were going to work alongside our local health department. Uh, so we did some commercials uh, for the public. We joined with other leaders in our community. And we've just continued to encourage people to get their vaccination. As humans, we don't like to be forced into doing anything and often telling people that they have to do something such as get a vaccine is likely to yield the opposite result. What do you think can be done to encourage people to get vaccinated? I think you're right. I mean, I've got five children, so I've, I've learned in parenting the things I try to force my kids to do. I tend to see more rebellion. <laughs> However, I think uh, as you build a relationship and hopefully faith community you know, faith leaders here in our community have um, developed over time a relationship of trust with especially the clientele they're reaching. So we've not ever tried to force anything. We want to respect people's rights. However, at the same time, we believe we need to be an advocate for what science has proven. And to me, when I look at it, we continue to look at the data um, you know, here in our local communities, uh, we see that almost everyone who is hospitalized now is unvaccinated. And it appears to be the Delta variant is almost a pandemic that we're experiencing now in Southwest Virginia, Upper East Tennessee, that really could have been prevented had people gotten the vaccination. So we've never tried to force it. We've just tried to come alongside people, answer their questions to the best of our ability. We're not a medical community. But we can supply evidence that these vaccines are working. And um, so as a result of that, Beth, I would just say we've not been uh, strong handed on trying to force anything. We've just tried to be a voice of reason. And sometimes within the faith community, people have asked, do you, do you, you know, why we trust the Lord? So why can't the Lord just take care of us? Well, well, in my way of looking at that, we prayed that 
uh, God would give us an opportunity to get past this pandemic. So in, in my thoughts, a vaccine is an answer to our prayers. Science in the faith community is our friend. It's not something that is an enemy to us. It's something that is really a friend to us. So those kinds of opportunities for us have been the ones we've tried to capitalize on. And rather than be a voice of suspicion, to be a, a voice of trust and reason and just encourage people to, to think about getting the vaccine for the safety and care of others. And my mom would say, God gave us doctors and research scientists and gave them the skills to get where we are now. Yes, I agree with that completely. Something that concerns me is that fear of COVID spreading is creating a situation in which those who are vaccinated becoming very hateful and judgmental towards those who are not. If you look on social media, you'll see plenty of comments along the lines of just let them die. How do we maintain a sense of compassion for those who are not vaccinated for whatever reason? You know, it's really interesting. This morning I was uh, meeting with one of our local ER physicians and I was just asking him, how do you keep from being cynical uh, as you care for patients? Uh, Because I wanted to know, here's somebody on the front lines uh, dealing with people who are unvaccinated every day and yet, you know, knows that some of those people are going to die from COVID. And so he said, you know, it takes me back to the reason I got into medicine. He said, uh, can I become cynical? He said, I truly hope not. But he said, I do get frustrated that person after person who comes through the ER could have prevented this visit had they just gotten the vaccine. He said, but as a physician, I've taken an oath to give quality, excellent care, the best of my ability to every patient. I think for us in the faith community that we, you know, our motto, sort of what we live and die by is we care for others. And we know that our Lord uh, cared for us so much that he was willing to make great sacrifice so much that he gave his son. So for us in the faith community, we have to love other people, even when they see a difference from us. So I've just reminded our congregation of that truth from scripture, because that is really the core of who we are as a faith community. And even though we can be frustrated, I, th- I think we're all, uh, you know, normal people that we go through these frustrations. Uh, however, at the end of the day, we have to remind ourselves, we have to care for, for even those who see things differently from us and, who view life uh, differently from us. And when we lose that, then we've lost our integrity as a community of faith. I think that's a good lesson for all of us in the faith community or not. Let's make sure we're, we're taking care of each other because none of us are perfect. True. Absolutely. I, I, I know I'm sort of jaunted to think about things from a faith perspective because it's just my everyday life. I definitely want the church uh, to be the resource of, hey, it's our motto that we care for others. I can almost understand it more so in a secular person, although, I, you know, thankfully here in Southwest Virginia and most rural communities, uh, we are really caring people, whether we're people of faith or just people who want to see our community be great. And last question, the question I asked all my guests, if you could do anything, what would you do to improve health and health care in rural America? I really, uh, yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, I think what 
we have to do is almost model the way um, to help people sort of see this is, you know, God, our creator has given us a body. He expects us to take the best care of it we can. So, you know, sometimes when we, I think this is an issue with some of the people who are concerned about the vaccine, they don't want to put anything in their body that they don't feel like is safe and those kinds of things. I get that. I, I completely understand that. But I think that's when you have to look at, hey, here is a, a pandemic like we've never been faced with before that is COVID-19. And how do we get past that? And how do we care for those that are immune compromised or less healthy in our community? Sometimes we do things for the greater good of our community. As a whole, I believe we have a responsibility to care for ourselves, to care for our bodies and to care for our health. And as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I mean, honestly, that's a, you know, that's not only a faith element in my mind, but that's a, a mental element and a uh, relational element and an emotional element. We're a, you know, we're a unique entity as an individual, but I've, I definitely believe the faith community has a, has a part in wholeness, um, but I also think that we have to care for ourselves. And if we, as we care for ourselves, then hopefully we will be able to care and desire to care for others. And I would say that's certainly a rural value as well. Make sure you're taking care of each other. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Alan. We appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. That's Pastor Alan Jesse reminding us that we all need to care for each other. If you want to be part of the conversation about rural health, join the Rural Health Voice Conference. It started November 2nd, but all of the plenary sessions are being recorded and saved on the website for review. Visit vrha.org and click Rural Health Voice Conference on the right side of the page. The Rural Health Voice is a podcast of the Virginia Rural Health Association. It is sponsored by the Virginia State Office of Rural Health and underwritten by the National Rural Health Association.